Hi, I'm Lee. I'm Ria. I'm Marley. Number one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at like doing things for me. It's going to take us about two weeks to learn it. Would I want to go to him if I wanted to hug absolutely not? Actually, give yourself a bit of a break. Mayonnaise, <laughs> better out of a jar. You've been overruled, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Is It Really Worth Talking About? Is it really worth talking about? Oh, yeah! Well, this week, you guys have chosen the topic that we're going to speak about on the podcast as our main feature, which is work stresses. So I think there's a, quite a fair bit across all three of us actually that we want to talk about and some things that you guys have DM'd or replied to on polls that we can go through. But first of all, our random topic of the week is, I cannot wait to hear this story because Marley's been hyping it up for a while. I've not hyped it up. <laughs> she started telling a story and was like, no, I can't tell you, you have to wait for the podcast. I can't wait to hear about our first kisses. So Marley... Please take it away with your story. <laughs> My brother's going to be listening to this. He's going to be like, what? <laughs> Absolutely mortified. Well, I was 13. He was 30. Hang on, what Sorry? was the name? Was the name of him something Hold funny on. too? He's Gabrielle. Gabrielle, that was it. Dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Say that again. You were 13. Yeah. Well, what happened was, I was like, they do like these... June Fiesta and I was sat like on the bench waiting for my friend and this guy like drove past me on a quad bike and he like stopped and looked at me and I was like mm, sketchy, <laughs> sketchy behaviour and then he took his helmet off and I realised he was the guy that lived up the road and he was like I'll oh, come here and I was like alright and um, come here Come here. No, actually, what's Spanish? Come here. Benaki. Oh, Benaki. <laughs> and um, he was like, oh, um, yeah, this one I live in Spain. And he was, like, talking to me. I can't even remember the conversation. But obviously they, like, go in for, like, the two kiss. So he was, what I thought was going in for that. And then it just turned into a kiss. It's quite nice, actually. Um, <laughs> hang on. What? <laughs> hang on, I'm not this, ready for the story to end. This needs to be dissected. I'm like... A number of levels. I don't know. So who really instigated it? So you went for a one quick one too. Well, he was just like he like puckered up. So I was like, oh, it's for cheek. Yeah. But it didn't land on the cheek. Wait. So was it an accidental? No, it was like a proper kiss. So a full on snog. But he mm. went for your cheek. So where did your lips come from? Well, he just oh. manoeuvred. He manoeuvred to the lips, and you thought, yeah. oh, I'll let this happen. And he was thirteen years old. He was good looking. Anything afterwards I... come with Gabriel? No. What? Gabrielle so disappeared into the night. <laughs> so there's just Let this random... I knew who he was. No, no, but there's just this random incident where... So the neighbour down the road... Oh, I've just snogged him. Yeah. Never to snog again. No. <laughs> Do you know what? I just picture Enrique Iglesias. Because I think he's Spanish. <laughs> Let me be your hero. <laughs> this Gabrielle's on his quad bike. As he goes riding off into the sunset. I just kissed a little teenager. <laughs> and Marley's sat back on the oh, side of the road yeah. like... Well, I don't know what the age of consent is in Argentina, which is where he was from. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's 13 when you... But, like, just... the age of consent in Spain was 14 at the time. So, in, like, that was normal. But also, hang on a minute, I'm not... You look absolutely you're... gobsmacked. <laughs> when you're 30, I would not be looking at someone of 13 years of age and be like... Mm, I was really fit, though. <laughs> <laughs> wait, did you have blonde hair at this stage? Or was, no, wait, this was pre-blonde hair. this stage where you had the fringe cut in? No, 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 this was after I'd let my hair grow for like three years. Okay. Right. So it was long and... But you make a good point. Like, at 30 years old, like, I'm not looking at a teenager... <laughs> 
thinking, ooh, I'd love to wrap my what lips I on love them. is just the fact Enrique, not Enrique, Gabrielle <laughs> has come in on his quad bike, saw my lips on her, thought I'm stopping here. Yeah. I'm stopping. She looks pure flames. Get off my quad bike, take my helmet off. Did he swish his hair after he took the helmet no. off? Might have done. And then you were in, he's like, hola, Marley. This yeah. is like and so wrong. Yeah, but not even that. But like, he calls you over. You, you go over. You just go. I know, yeah. that's why I used to find myself in like really bad situations. Because <laughs> I just did what house. adults told me to do. <laughs> Lordy Lou. I'm flabbergasted, I have to say. But I didn't think he was going to do that. I just thought he like wanted to speak to me. Because you didn't stop it. You didn't. What, the kiss? Yeah. So oh, how was the actual kiss? Yeah, it, was, it was the first one. It was good. Nice. Like, yeah. Bit of tan. It was a little tiny bit, yeah. Because a lot of everyone's bit, yeah. first kissing were like, oh, not the best. Only upwards from here. Well, he was experienced, wasn't he? So you just, you just followed him. Oh, wasn't he, yeah. <laughs> 30 years I old. I don't think I really knew what to do, because even afterwards, like, he just, like, sped off on his quad, probably, getting away from the police. And um, <laughs> and then my friend turned up, who I was waiting for. She was like, you're right. And I was like, yeah. And then we just cracked on then. Hang on, Did so there was no other... No, like, I didn't tell anyone. There was no other instances with Gabrielle? No. Did you want there to be? Were you like, oh, my God? I feel like I want to... No, I didn't, oh. actually. I, it was just really, really random. And then, like, he Afterwards, literally did lived... Did he literally kiss you, smile at you, or was it... He always used to, like, smile and wink at me, like, whenever I walked past him and stuff. But there was never... A time where that happened again. Never discussed. No. Like the next time you saw him, there wasn't like a. Oh, Molly, did you like that? Yeah. Sorry for kissing you. That's wildly inappropriate. Yeah. No, or even just a hello. Or no. well, that was weird the other day. Yeah. No. Right. Well, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's all sorts of wrong in there. The I know it's wrong. Um, Spain. An SPCC. Chuck Charles. Oh, I don't. No. God, no. Don't be silly. Yeah, it was wrong. I know that it was wrong, but what can I say? It happened. Like, I, you're like, how old now? 26. Can you imagine kissing a 13-year-old boy now? I can't imagine kissing a 24-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, so I can't get my head around. Like, what has gone through Gabrielle's head to think, I'm going to kiss her? I get what you're saying in terms of, like, if the consent is 14 years old, but again, that still says something about him. Yeah. Well... Interesting. Also, like if, you, if you like took the ages up, so obviously 13 and 30, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. But if you were older and it was, what, say, 43 and what, 60, would that be the same gap, wouldn't it? Or not, 17 not years, yeah. But I think that's less about the age gap then because you're both like consenting adults and you can. I know, but it, I think more... there's less of like, oh, right, oh, yeah, like you do you, boo boo, like fine. Yeah. But at 13 and 30. No, probably even less. Like if you're 23 and 40, I still think people would be like, oh, fair enough. Yeah. But. No, but so bad, she's thirteen. She's a child. Yeah, I know. And thirteen is still quite childlike. I don't care. Like you oh, get yeah. people who grow up quite quickly, but mm. well, Gabrielle is a predator. I wonder what he's doing now. Predator, I wonder yeah. if he's like probably married. fat and bold. Well, mine's just pretty boring. Nothing to report really. Just a boy met up. Standing in front of a girl. Met on MSN, you know. <laughs> and yeah, nothing really to report. Pretty boring, pretty standard. How old are you? Forty. Was it any good? No. Oh. It was too much, you know, washing machine. Mm-hmm. I've had that. Have you? Not in my first kiss, but I went out on a date once. Do you try to, like, slow them down? And she just, um, yeah, it was just... Oh, my gosh. Do you know what the worst ones are? I can't believe I'm even saying this, like, live on air. <laughs> the worst, like, the jabs. It's like, where their tongue goes in. Like a... Like a... Just a jab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Has anyone had a jab? Yeah. <laughs> Once. I've only kissed four people. Oh, it's quite an well, I don't know why I'm saying that's sad. Oh. No, that's quite that's an not sad. Yeah, I, think that uh, be... I take that back. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Just a disclaimer for any young kids out there: if a thirty-year-old man wants to kiss you, don't let them. No, <laughs> and please say, tell someone. No. Please, please, please tell somebody. <laughs> that is not okay. So your first kiss then? Um, my first snog. I was seven. <laughs> 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 Look at that. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> How old were they? Seven. Oh, okay. They right. weren't 40. No. <laughs> I just can't imagine a seven-year-old having a proper... Kiss. I don't think there was any tongue, but it was a proper, like, goldfish, Aww. you know, sort of thing going on. Seven. I remember that we were on so break. It was, it was break time. <coughs> and we were, we were by year two, Mrs. Fix's class. <laughs> just had your tuna sandwiches. Oh, no, no, break time. It wasn't lunchtime. Break mm. time. <laughs> Beg your pardon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just um, had a full-on snog. And like, I probably loved her, Jess her name was, and then she moved to Blackpool. And Mrs Fayers, one of the lovely teachers at my school, was wanted us to keep in contact because she knew how much we liked each other. Aww. So I would write her a letter and she would pass it on to send it off to Jess and Jess would write back. That's very cute, actually. That's cute. That still, very cute. Are we still in contact with Jess now? <laughs> we uh, probably lasted about two months. <laughs> And then she probably found somebody else. So who oh, was passing the letters on? A lady called Miss Fayers. You sure it wasn't just Miss Fayers writing back to you? Oh, <laughs> uh, don't say that to me. <laughs> so true. Why are you saying that to Actually me, Paul? Actually, might be. No, the, the writing was like, I wonder no. if Sharon kept the letters for you. We could analyse them. No, I don't even know if my mum... I think I just chucked them in my drawer at school. In your pigeon tray? In my, yeah. Do you remember the little drawers that you had at school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was in yours? What, what oh. did we have to keep in it? We were seven. We were um, literally... At year 11, we had our own little tray. What did we have to keep at that age, really? Gel pens. Yes, yeah, gel pens. Paying. Paying. I always remember when the. Do you remember when the italic pens come out? Yes. They were like green and they had like this slight italic at the end. Mm. And you could just like your really fancy writing. Sorry, Lisa. I'm actually calligraphying <laughs> on my table now just to, as yes. an example. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> I don't remember the italic ones. Do I not? remember when I got my um, pen license in year three. Your what? I beg your pleasure, pardon. <laughs> <laughs> what school did you go to? Your pen license. Kings. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. So you had to write in pencil and then you had to like prove your work. What? <laughs> I thought it was pretty confused. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens if we didn't get the pen license? We just stuck to didn't. pencil. What for the whole? <coughs> People got to year six and still don't have their pen like Shut. You have to prove uh. yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> there was like a tree, like a display tree, and you had a leaf with your name on it if you got your pen license. So they'd be like, well done, <coughs> Ria's got a pen license, and put a leaf on the tree, and it'd say, the date, you've got your pen license. But you wrote with a pencil until you proved you were capable of writing joined up with a pen. And then you got your red barrel. Handwriting pen. I thought that was common no. procedure. No. In primary school. Afraid not. <laughs> uh, excuse me, guys. If you have to get a pen license, please let us know because I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Please, yeah. please do let us know. <laughs> or like even any other school little um, school little things Quirk, that yeah. yeah yeah that you had to do. I don't but... think I can think of anything. Do you not? Also, did anyone else used to? I used to love one of my like. 
things I did was when I would come home from school, pretend to be a teacher. <coughs> Molly. I used to do the same thing. Thank you. And you'd have like your teddies lined up in your room and I'd walk along doing the register. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I used to spend hours writing yeah. my register, getting a ruler and out. And the used to be like a little dash up, and then a dash down, or a red circle if you weren't present. Yeah. And then it would be sandwiches or dinners. <laughs> sandwiches. Then we used to play karaoke. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I, when I say we, I mean me on my own. Yeah. <clears throat> well. With my imaginary students. Well, we've gone from a 13-year-old kissing to a 30-year-old. Pen licences. <laughs> Marley doing karaoke with her teddies. <laughs> I didn't say Ted is. I said imaginary people. Oh, <laughs> wow, that better. makes it okay. Much better. Oh, right, we better move on to something a bit more serious, haven't we? Work stresses. Right. <laughs> so, work stress. So, I think we've had, obviously, we said earlier that we've had a few things um, or uh, topics to talk about that people have DM'd us on or sent messages separately or privately. Um, and also we've got our own things to talk about. I think they all come, there's all different opinions on work stress. So what one of us has considered a work stress, somebody else found surprising or considered work stress slightly differently. I think for me, my for work stress is definitely something I could probably like write my verse on. Um, but it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I think it's definitely become worse over the past year what with working at home and things like that and finding boundaries to switch and work off because you're working from home you find you don't have that switch off on okay I've left the office now that's it works done for the day I'm going to go home it's so easy to just stay logged on or go and have your dinner come back and log back on and carry on working and then you have your dinner like or do you get dinner and take it upstairs back up to your desk yeah, I do have that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is hard. You don't have that lunchtime walk where you just pop out over to Tesco or something like that anymore. That's completely gone. Other supermarkets are available. <laughs> um, but there is the boundary thing is a huge one because your work consumes your home life. All the balance is gone. And then I've spoken to other people and they feel the same. You feel guilty for actually having a lunch break because you think everyone can see when you're online now whether that's on Zoom or on Teams and you think, oh my God, if I go and have a lunch break, they'll be like, well, where's Ria? She's clearly not working as hard as what she should be because she's not online or she's been away for however long. So then you're like, oh, I can't log off. I need to be available just in case someone needs to ring. And that you feel then con you're constantly overthinking. I need to be present at all times during the working day. Well, that's absolutely not true. But also, from well, for who I work for anyway, that they never put that pressure on you either. That pressure comes from myself. Mm -hmm. And you build, you build your own pressures to how long you work or how much work that you get out because I never find pressure from my manager or anyone within my business anyway. I think a lot of it definitely comes down to me and my own pressure. I think I can definitely relate to that because I don't really have work stress now, but years ago when I was um, a supervisor, I used to torture myself, like if something went wrong on, wrong on the department, mm -hmm. like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. I can't speak today. Um, but I remember, like, one time someone showed me something and it was, like, a pizza out of date or whatever, and I just, like, cried and walked away because obviously it's illegal to have sell foods out of date and it was my responsibility and I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't have, like, a talent off. Um, but I used to, like, stay on for no pay and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then 
I don't really know what happened. I think I just realised I was taking work home and that wasn't healthy. Like, if you have to take it home, then it's not a good thing. And then, like, people say to you, if you can't get it done in your work day, then you're not managing your time very well. Mm. But you're so right about the boundaries because I ended up taking on, like, more of other people's stuff mm. and making their workload lighter, making mine worse. And then you're not even appreciated for it because it's your fault that you can't manage that workload. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely about boundaries. And it does pain me sometimes when I have to say to people, like, oh, no, I can't do that because that's outside of my working hours. But I have to do it because otherwise I would do everything all the time. It's so hard to have that. For me, I find it difficult to say no. Mm. Like, that is something I need to get better on in terms of my own, like you said, workload, boundary, everything is just to say no. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You say why, no. Why, why don't you say no? Wow, going through this at the moment. <laughs> um, so, there is something like just being open and honest. So, I am going through some counselling sessions at the moment and we're digging into that. And some of it is just through to, I want to, I like to people please. Yeah. So, I will just say yes because, well, I don't even know why. Like, like the my character just say, well, what's the worst thing happen if you say no? But is it that you can't be seen in a bad light? Yeah, I think there is a proportion of that, and maintaining your um, how people perceive you, or like if you do something well and then you've, you're praised for it or you're complimented for it, and then it's a job to keep at that level, and you think, oh, if I mess up here or if I don't do this, am I then not going to be perceived so well? And there's also the whole progression and you want to be seen in a good light so that you can progress well in your job. But that definitely comes with, well, I guess it's different for every single person. But if you, for me, to proceed, to develop well, I think, oh, I need to put the hours in. I need to do this. I need to get this right. And that might mean working till 8, 9, 10. Mm. It's the, again, it's a boundary. Yeah, but what stops you from, like, because you know for a while, like, when you, when you let those boundaries slip, you then start to get quite stressed, mm. you then start to feel quite mm -hmm. down. So what is it that like still kind of possibly stops you from going, actually, no, I work better when I have that structure? Yeah, and you're right. Like I know rationally if I think, if I work a normal working day, I'm going to be so much more productive the next day because I've had a gap, I've had a break, I've gone to bed at a decent time, I've been able to go to the gym or do the things for me, have that separation, rather than working late and then pretty much eating something quick, going to bed, and then waking up, doing the same thing again. But it's also so difficult when there is so much on, the time just disappears, and then you're like, oh, I'll log off in a minute, I'll log off, and you just don't. And it is the whole working from home thing is make that so much worse, because yeah. there's no one, like, there's no cleaners in the office to be like, oh my gosh, it's that time where I need to go home. Or the whole team is leaving and you're going with them, it's just... And plus, as well, during lockdown, there was nothing else to do. Mm. There was no there was no social activity. There was no gym at some points during lockdown. So you would think, well, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well just carry on working. So has this been born out of lockdown then? Were you like this before lockdown? Yeah, I think there's definitely elements before, but it's easier to manage because of those reasons, because I was office working. So there was a point of log off, go home. Um, there were social activities. I was going to gym classes that forced me to... I need to be at home for six because I've got this to do. So it's probably definitely born out of that. And what are your work like for pushing you to leave? Oh, they'd be like, why are you still online? Log off. Right, okay. Like, why are you on pass? I don't know, half five. You need to get, like, log off now. You're doing too much. Or, yeah, there's never any pressure at mm. all. Which I know in some places that's not the case. And mm. they, there's a lot of pressure 
I think someone did all, did someone message you, Marley, to say they find that there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, they just said about um, unreasonable demands and expectations from management create stress over time, like builds up anxiety. Mm. Um, and then when you're like anticipating the communication from your manager, thinking it might go badly, the anxiety builds up more and more and more. Mm. Um, and they just said that people tend to leave jobs because of bad managers, not because of enjoying the job. And I think communication, especially, is like one of the key contributors to stress. Because if you've got poor communication, everything else is just a nightmare. Everything gets mixed up, doesn't it? If you don't get that communication, like if you don't understand something properly, or <clears throat> then everything kind of... you. What am I trying to say? As human beings, we kind of make up the stories in our head that if there's gaps, and so if there's been a miscommunication, mm. we make up the, the gaps. Mm. And more often than not, I think, you know, again, as society, I think we're brought up to think more negatively than positively. We will make up a negative gap in that, so which creates anxiety, which creates a lot of worries, fears, you know, which makes us feel down, it makes us feel resentful, you know, over time. So, um, yeah, it's communication's massive but like I suppose going back to you again like you're now on the management side of things mm. you know so how you've been on the I was going to say the minion side of things you know <laughs> but, you know so what is it like for you now in terms of making sure that you look after oh, the welfare and mm, there's so much <clears throat> I know I probably underestimated how much you um oh, I can't think of the word like you want to look after your team or you're protective of them and you want, like, you will make sure that they're not working late. And Marley, what you said before, really shocked me in terms of you take on their workload. Mm. If you see they're getting stressed or they've got too much to do, you're like, that's fine, I'll do it. But then you don't think, oh, actually, that now sits with me and I'm now yeah. adding it to my to-do <laughs> list. Mm. Um, but I think what we're really good at is, I think you two spoke about this before, is like checking in, mm. is we will have so much, oh, God, like Zoom calls or ringing them and just checking in, see how they are, what's going on, um, which I think like does the world of good in terms of that communication piece keeping that open and having a relationship with people because also that you get some people that you might a manager may manage that isn't very open mm. so you'll say oh how's everything going and they'll say oh yeah everything's fine everything's fine and you'll think great they're fine but actually they could be drowning in workload and you would have no clue because they'll just say they're fine I think as well because before we start this podcast I said oh, I don't have any work stress which is true to an extent but for me being so stressed at work that I take it home is like stress and I don't do that anymore but I suppose there are instances in work where I am stressed and in the past like I've really sweated to get a job done for someone and then you hand it in they're like oh okay not bothered mm -hmm. that you've even <laughs> like struggled all day to get that one job done so I think now I just think oh you can only do what you can do you haven't slacked you've tried your hardest to get this job completed by the time that you said they said they wanted it done by just tell them if something goes wrong. Yeah. I probably say work is the only area in my life where I don't worry about anything like that. Really? Yeah, which is good, really, because really I spend most of the time there. Really? Wait till you start working with me next I year. know. <laughs> I was just going to say that, actually, because obviously you've gone self employed now. So, yeah. did you find that there was stress? Like, for me, to think to go self employed gives me, I get anxiety and stress thinking about because you hold all of that pressure. Yeah. to get your income and everything yourself yeah that, that, it was very stressful um because it was learning to trust like the process as well like there was a point so i was working at lloyd's for a little bit in the mail room just while i was building up the counseling in the afternoon so i'd work there yeah, there in the morning and then build up the <clears throat> practice in the afternoon and there was a point where 
like I didn't have any time to take on any new clients because of my morning job, but yet I still wasn't earning enough because of that to then quit my morning job. Mm, I so remember that, this. there was a point mm. where I had to then just make that jump. And that period of time was so flipping stressful. And because I was finding as well at that moment, like you'd end up, because you start working with a group of people kind of around, like within a month, you might pick up three or four people. Then at that point when I only had like 11, 12 clients, you lose probably three or four people in one in within one month and you you start to crap yourself. Because mm. um, you're like, crap, where am I going to get that from? And so you had to learn to trust the process that actually is kind of like this revolving door. Like normally, what I'm finding at the moment, touch wood, is that when people go, people come in. So even like I was saying to you before we started this podcast, you know, I've had a few people leave recently. And so, but I've also had two inquiries, even I've just saw before I come on here, there's another inquiry. So, you know, inquiry. inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but it, it was incredibly stressful. And especially because we were saving for a house as well at the yeah. same time. I remember we were creating that spreadsheet for you where we were having all your clients that there were and how much you would bring in each week yeah. and how many did you need yeah. to be able to keep the savings going. Yeah, like I do that. say that to like clients anyway. Like I'm quite happy to share with clients about the fact that, you know, about breaking it down that much, find out what it is that you need in terms of income because income is such a stress, you know, that, Huge. you know, that um, brings on a lot of stress, sorry. And, um, it just, I think if you can, if you can sit down, do your spreadsheet and I include everything. I included my football, my golf, you know, everything. So include it all and then you know exactly what you need to earn. So anything mm. above that, you should be okay. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just, um, money was quite stressful then. Yeah. Um, and like I said, learning to trust the process. Well, even um, this year, obviously going through not being able to work because of COVID and everything like that. And then even times where you've probably needed a break. Yeah. And you have to then weigh up, can I afford to take a break, actually, because then I lose X amount in income. Yeah. Well, in two weeks' time, I'm going on holiday, and, like, already my brain is thinking, like, that's a chunk, that's a quarter of my monthly income mm. gone. Um, you know, I've got, luckily, I've got some put by, but, again, I'm trying to move house now, so I need as much money as I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I need a break, because I haven't had, so, because of COVID, and because of what was going on in the world, you know, mental health support was quite important. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I just haven't had a proper full-on break. I, the last time I had a holiday was last February in, when we went skiing for a few days. You know, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, we did have, obviously, a bit of time off before Christmas because I had COVID, but that wasn't a break. That was me feeling like uh, shit on excuse my... Excuse me, Lily, we all went to Cornwall. How could you forget about that? Oh, we did, didn't we? Actually, forgot about the holiday. Yeah, right? but that was a weekend. He had a bloody photo shoot. <laughs> He stole your photo, photo shoot. shoot. I did, yeah. No, but that was only a weekend. I didn't have a week off. Was that only a weekend? I'll put pictures yeah, up of those. <laughs> You'll put what? The pictures up of yeah. me with your dogs. This yeah. was the time when Lee was on dating sites and thought he'd use the dogs as a bit of like... Yeah. Bait. Bait. Bait, yeah. <laughs> me and my dogs are like to go walks by the seaside. <laughs> and then they got on the date with him and they were like, where's the dog? <laughs> <laughs> they only met me for the dog. I did tell Marley she should have charged. Yeah, I should have. So I think as well, I was just thinking whilst you were talking, job satisfaction, not getting it is, I don't know if it's stressful, but it definitely brings an element of stress because for me, in order to be happy in my job, I have to have job satisfaction. And then when you're not getting that, mm-hmm. everything piles on and it becomes more stressful. Definitely. I think I just live in the philosophy that you spend quite a lot of your time at work, so it should be as good as it possibly can Definitely. be. Definitely. I think when you, when I, this job, touch a word, I've not had Sunday night blues. Like, I've not sh- 
not stress is wrong word. I'm not like, oh my god, I've got work tomorrow. I really don't want to go in because for me I get job satisfaction every day is different I'm engaged I'm challenged there's enough to keep me going whereas there's definitely been some jobs where I've been like oh so tempted to be in sick or just can't bother to go in because I was bored not Mm. challenged and just thought I'm not getting anywhere here what's the point and I think that definitely adds to stress because then your motivation is low your work might might pile up and then you think oh my god look at my to-do list (laughs) all this to do so yeah I think you're right work satisfaction is key in yeah enjoying your job and not it says it on here like even on this website like i was just looking at the summit before and it talks about you know exceeding your ability to cope it stops being helpful and starts causing damage not only to your mind or body but to your job satisfaction like it's a separate thing Mm. job satisfaction is so important it's not just about you know your health and things like that but you've got to enjoy what you're doing or at least like want to do it when that's affected it's like a spend spiral. Most of your, like, what percentage of your like life are you spending at work? Like, Too you, much. Like you have to <laughs> have an element of enjoyment because otherwise, you're say you're at work eighty percent of your week, which I can't do the maths. Lee, you're better than me. Say it's eighty <laughs> it's or a high, that, but... <laughs> a high number percentage spent at work. If you're not enjoying that, then that just impacts your home life, your relationships with people, your family, because work's taken over and it's just too stressful. And you're not getting that job satisfaction. The balance is so important. And again, like I'm quite big in uh, talking to people about finding that balance. And I don't think as a, we do enough in terms of challenging our employees to give us more of the life that we could have. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the sense that, you know, I've had a few clients, and I remember talking to Daniel about it a while ago, about seeing if you can go down to four days a week. Mm-hmm. Like even if you do the same amount of hours, but over four days, you've got that gap. You know, having that day off is so important. Or like some, some employers, I've had a few clients, I do let you finish slightly early mm-hmm. now, you know, and they've reduced their hours because they've looked at how much they need to bring in. Mm. So they're not, because sometimes you are bringing in, I'm, I'm aware that this isn't everybody's story, but, you know, sometimes we probably bring in slightly more than we need, mm. slightly more. So actually you could probably reduce your hours by four or five hours. You'd be surprised at what that does. Mm. Do you know, though, as soon as you say that, I think, but I still got to get all my work done in less time now without five hours so I'm like oh I've still got the same amount to do I know it's different for everyone but with less time yeah but that's where your job should come in because if they're letting you reduce your hours then how much workload is absorbed work, well. yeah mm. work, workload should be reduced as well slightly mm. you know but or you might find that actually you can do it in that because that's the other thing and you see all these things about um, productivity yeah so actually if you're in a better frame of mind then you'll probably find that you might produce if it, we're talking a few hours that you've reduced then you might find that you're still fine in producing that much work because your productivity is slightly better anyway. Mm. So it just, and it's less stressful. I think that's another piece of like working from home. A lot of people are quick to jump to, oh, you're working from home, you're not working as hard because you're distracted or you're just wiggling the mouse so it looks like you're still online. But actually, the work, the productivity side of it, you're not getting that break. Whereas if you were in an office environment, we would have a chat like this, like, every hour god like five minute ten minute chat of yeah. just knit and natter or gossiping you don't get that when you're at home or even like what you're on for tea like all of that goes away so there's no natural Release. break in your work you're yeah. constantly at a screen rarely pop into the kitchen to grab a drink so there the productivity probably is naturally dropping anyway because you're constantly going and going and going yeah i think um touching on a message that we had from um daniel on our Facebook page. Um, <laughs> it's a different Daniel. <laughs> it's a different Daniel. Um, 
and he was basically talking about the catch-22 scenario of you've got someone who puts in minimum effort and has less stress, but you're, like, basically going above and beyond, mm. um, and then you're getting more work and more pressure. Um, I think there's that's very, very stressful, and it builds for a very toxic work environment because mm. you start to resent, resent those people. Yeah, and I think there is a... <clears throat> I see both sides of the spectrum. So I see it from like a customer assistance perspective and from a manager's perspective. So I hear customer assistants moaning about managers and how they are and why they're this way, blah, blah, blah. But then I also see the stress and the pressure that they're under mm -hmm. to deliver the res those results. Um, so it's very difficult because if you have got a manager that is really poor at communication or something they're not good at, I do try and always think like what's... What have they got going on? Mm. Yeah. And it just rolls downhill, doesn't it? The pressures, obviously, yeah, they're a lot... Of, like, the higher you are, the pressures are obviously a lot, lot bigger. And, yeah, you're right, it only just feeds down to what everyone in the organisation, doesn't yeah. it? I think I do have to take a step back and think to myself, though, too, like, everyone is entitled to... Even though I might not, everyone can log off at five. Yeah. Like, you can log off at five and that's okay. Like, it's become... There's just... I saw, like, a meme or, like, a quote thing the other day that said something like um overworking should be less glamorized i think the word was like going to work for 12 hours a day over your time not eating properly not seeing your friends should become less of a i'll have to find the thing and maybe we can post it on the instagram afterwards but it was basically like that has become a thing now if you are overworking and that's like oh my god look at her she's doing all this work and it's become something that people aim to be or aim to do mm. and that should become less like we shouldn't fall into the trap of wanting to work so much no I, I completely agree but like going back to Daniel's point as well like it is it does suck when you're in an office with somebody that doesn't quite pull their weight and <clears throat> but you've got to think as well like to, if you're talking about seeing it from both points of view if you're a manager and you've got something that needs doing mm. and you've got somebody you know will get the job done and somebody you, you know will be a bit of a pain mm. in the ass you're going to still give it to the one who know you know yeah. even though they're working flat out already you're going to do that because you need to produce the results mm. you know so it, you, you are stuck in this catch 22 like you said because part of you will probably then have a day where you think no screw it mm. more than sorry mother <laughs> um he does you know. do it sharon <laughs> <laughs> but you know you, part of you is going to think well screw it no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do as much anymore and then you start like resenting yourself because you think yeah. that's not me I don't like yeah. that yeah. you know I want to be quite driven I want to do my work I want to be proud of the work that I do mm. so it just creates this yeah I think toxic that's where thing. resentment comes to the other people too and management is key in terms of if people aren't um, if they are producing the bare minimum and literally just scraping through then that's for their manager to get them into a better position to then help work team morale and things like that yeah, it's quite the the problem, and just to I'm just thinking about how stressed that you you can feel with that, and how grumpy you can get, and things like that. My sister, I've messaged my sister before, and asked her what she wanted to talk about, and she was talking about how sometimes you can get the the two overlap. So actually, then you'll take that stress home, but you know, and then other times you'll take home stresses into work, mm. and how muddy that can get sometimes. But that's quite like when you've had a stressful day at work. How often do you come home and? Like or even like I know you're working from home at the moment, but how often do you then come downstairs and it affects how you are with the person you're living with? Mm. It's mad, isn't it? Like Huge. it just. 
See, I say it doesn't for me, but Luke might have a different opinion. <laughs> but as soon as I leave that building, I'm done. Like, I don't think about work any longer. What about the before when you did have stresses in your job? Would oh my you gosh, get home yeah. and be a bit miserable? Yeah, definitely. But then I would stop and think, if someone is spending, like, a lot of time working over their hours, I'd be thinking, why, why are you doing that? Because, like, for me, when I used to do it, I'd just been through a breakup. So work was, like, my thing and I'd spend most of my time there yeah and it was a distraction for me and although I found it stressful that was better than being miserable mm. so why are you oh, putting yeah, yeah, so yeah. much into that job and that's for you guys to work out I think that's <laughs> definitely like for me too I think this might be a subject we might touch on separate but separately is imposter syndrome like for me I am the worst for thinking I've not done that right or that's not good enough, I need to review it. So something that I should probably take an hour on, I'm reviewing it, looking at it again, is that okay? Like constantly questioning and looking at it, even though it's going to be perfectly fine, I just still think, no, that's not going to be good enough because I wouldn't have been able to get it done that quickly. Or No, but I do think that that adds to your stress. Like imposter syndrome is massive, like, especially mm. for me. Like even the other day I was at, so I work at Maggie's, the cancer charity, um, during the week for two days. And they said to me the other day that one of in one of our staff meetings soon they want me to talk about complex grief and how people should manage that. And straight away I was like, I can't do that. Mm. Like, I, there's no way I can talk to you guys that you probably know more than I do. Yeah. You know. And so straight away I was in this whole. And even now, like, I, I can feel it in my stomach. Yeah. Like now, the idea of, yeah, like they're going to see that I'm a fraud and that I actually don't know what I'm doing. Um, that so much. It's just, but I was just looking at this again. The website about things, um, stress at warning, warning signs. You know, like feeling anxious, irritable, depressed. But there's one down here, stomach problems. Yeah. That's mine. Like, I often get like stomach issues and my belly starts rumbling, and then I need to go to the toilet. You know, I'm quite. <laughs> like, I'm quite. I don't mind that. Like, it just. It is hard, and then I have to sit there and kind of go, right, have I had a dodgy curry, or am I anxious? <laughs> but I've spoken to you about imposter syndrome before, and you always say to me, but Ria, what have we learned? Yeah, like, no, I know. And, but that's the thing, so I have to keep, I know, and flip it back on me, Ria. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, so I have to keep having that conversation in my head now, just going, actually, no, I can't, you know, and I sat and I designed a bereavement course already for to use at Maggie's, so I, I know what I'm talking about. Mm. So, but it, I think it's just that thing that they're all going to be sat there thinking... Oh, tell me something new, will you, please? This mm. is boring. You Why know, is our mind so cool to us? Uh, no idea. Society. Let's just blame society. Every, yeah. I blame society. That's a whole that. other episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like we are, are we're, so we have to have those conversations where we kind of go, right, what have I learned? You know, and I've presented loads in the past. I used to work at the school and do presentations about behaviour and all that. So I can do it. Mm. It's just, I've got a, it's just a shame that we have to go through all yeah. that crap and I have to feel like poo and I get really anxious and. Yeah. I do honestly get waves. Well, not even waves, probably. More often than not, I just think I'm here by pure fluke. Like, there's nothing I'm doing here that is good or c- credible. I'm here by pure fluke. So what's it like for you, then? Because, actually, you get praised a lot at work. Like, the amount of emails that come but through. I think that build, that makes me more pressured. Right. I get more pressure from that because I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to get found out soon. I'm, I, this isn't real. Like, I should be getting praised. That was because of the work of someone else. Even though it's ridiculous because... They're praising something that I've done, but I still get, God, I'm going to get, how do I keep this up? So what would you be like if you didn't get those emails? I think I'd just be, I'm doing my job. Like, even when I get those through, I'm like, I'm literally doing my job. Like, I'm coming to work, doing my job. No, but would you be sat there thinking, why am I not getting praised? Has nobody no, noticed what I'm doing? No, I don't ever expect it at all. It's not anything, like that. I think that's why I think, God, what are they seeing that I'm doing? I'm doing my day-to-day job. Why am I getting all this praise? What I'm doing, or, I don't know, I just feel like, 
I'm literally going to work and doing a standard job. What are they seeing that I'm not? And but it adds pressure because they're yeah. praising you. Right. So then, I think it. I touched on it before too. So then you're like, oh my God, I've got to live up to this standard now because they think I'm doing something really brilliant and really great. Well, I'm not. I'm just doing something. See, I never it. think that. If someone praises me, I never think I've got to live up to that now. I just think, yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> Yeah. But if only I was so Sorry, funny. I get to that what a great position. sense of self. I know, but I was in counselling the other day. I was talking to my counsellor about this. I said I only feel like that in my job because I know I can do the job with my eyes shut. Yeah. So I don't think I've got to live up to this standard because I know that nobody else can do my job, and they probably could. But they'd need like loads of training, so I know I'm valued. Yeah. In that respect, so I don't ever think, you know, if someone says, for example. I popped back in the other night to do some bits way after my shift. But I don't think now I've got to give them that all the time. That was on my terms and how I wanted it to be. But <laughs> I think that's the attitude <laughs> That's the attitude that you have to have yeah. in that your job. You do have to find your value mm. and where you do, com- you know, where you can have confidence in that actually, no, I am good at that so mm. that I understand why they're praising that, you know. And I, I had a lot of that when I started with the private counselling. I can't remember if I've said this on a previous episode, but where I'm, I'm, I've got other counsellors in the same little bit as me and I didn't understand why somebody would pay £40 to come and talk to me when they could talk to Fiona next door who knows her crap and Colette over the road who's like proper empathetic and know, again knows her stuff, Dawn who's very touchy-feely, you know it just I didn't didn't make any sense to me but then so I had to do a lot of work on finding what it is that I give mm. and I still like don't know <laughs> overly what that is but it is like if you want somebody that's going to just sit and try and listen and try and understand you then I would say that yeah oh, come, come and see me we've got a bit of a uh, bit of a plug here but... <laughs> yeah, should we charge him Lee Harris counselling Facebook <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure we're wrapping up now but I'll leave you with this from my is point of view no <laughs> when you go for an interview you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you and oh. I take that into my job I'm not just here for them. They're here for me. It's got to work both ways. Otherwise, that's not the job for me, and I'd have to move on. And well, I am moving on to something else I want to do. But I just remember that everyone tells you when you go for an interview, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing yeah, you. That's very true. Because what you are providing to a business, they you could offer them something that they might not get somewhere else. Exactly. They need you just as much as you need them. Mm-hmm. And just wondering before we do wrap up, I know you know we've gone on a bit, but. Um, before we wrap up, do we need to talk about, we've talked about our stresses and mm. how we can sometimes fall, you know, by lack of boundaries and things like that, but is it worth us talking about what we do to try and help ourselves when we are stressed at work? Because when we get it right and it's quite balanced, you know, then good. Mm. So do, like, what is it that you guys try and do to make sure that work stresses stay minimal, you know, or when you mm. get home that you don't take it home? I know when I'm starting to get to a point of where I'm, this is stress, this is too much now because I'm snappy with people, I'm irritable after work. <laughs> First thing I do if I come in, I'll go and I say, poor glass of red wine. <laughs> like, I know. Or even my eyes were really terrible last year, weren't they, with a rash? Yeah. They were just awful, down to a stress rash. And I think for me, it is the whole boundary thing. It is the times of this is my working day, this is what I'm required to work, and anything after that is switch off and have your own the balance yeah balance and boundaries so go to the gym go for a walk get that break even a lunchtime walk break up the day it has to be balance and boundary for me i am um, i spoke to a client the other week who was having trouble logging off she was logging off about seven when she should be logging off about five 
and one of the things that I got her to try and do was set a timer two hours before her shift should finish, so mm. at three o'clock. So then she knew in that thing that I had two hours to do everything that I wanted to do tonight, everything else can wait. Mm. And that seems to have worked quite well, just because otherwise you can get carried away yeah. and before you know it, it's like coming up five o'clock so and you think, easy. actually I won't log off because yeah. I need to carry on. But How many times have, have break, I said to you guys, like, oh, I'll be round about half five, I finish at five. Yeah. And then you're like, we're at seven o'clock, I'm <laughs> yeah. literally racing away. <laughs> but that, you know, but that having that little moment at three o'clock where you can kind of go, right, I need to prioritise now. Yeah. So, like, it just might oh, help you. Prioritize, prioritization is definitely key too, because the business or whoever you work for is not going to collapse the next day if you've yeah. not done what you said you needed to do. Mm. Even if you've missed a deadline that you would submit, as long as the communication's there to say, I've not done this because of X, Y, Z. However, I'll get it to you by this time. Like, the world is not going to end. Yeah. People take a lot of it. I do definitely take a lot onto my own shoulders. That's the learning bit. That's what I talk yeah. to people about learning. And if you can say, you know, to yourself that if I leave this today, I will mm -hmm. pick it up. I will pick it up again tomorrow, and the business will not collapse. You are more likely to make the right decision for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you constantly get caught up in that kind of storm of stress, then yeah, yeah you're you're not going to make any positive decisions for yourself. I think as well, you have to try and look at things which is really hard um, with some perspective because sometimes you get a new manager that comes in and they just want to make a name for themselves mm -hmm. so they put all this pressure on you you start doubting your ability to actually do the job but in in reality two weeks before they come you did the job perfectly mm -hmm. fine it's mm -hmm. them that they're putting those pressures on you um, and then at that point I was talking to a friend last night and she makes a lot of money doing her job, but she absolutely hates her job. So I just said, what's it worth to you? You know, if you want to, we were talking about moving on to another job. She's like, but it would be less money. Okay, so stay where you are if it's worth the money. If it's not worth the reward, then it's not worth it full stop, yeah. in my opinion. But that's what I mean about like doing almost that spreadsheet and mm. working out what is it that I need to earn in mm. order to, to live a, like as good as possible, mm. you know, and nothing else because actually if you if she says she's on 60 grand and yet she knows that she could live still comfortably on 30 mm. and have a job that she really loves why would you not do that mm. you know so it just I, I think sometimes we're so money orientated oh, and it huge. brings on so much stress you know but like I'm, I'm very aware that I'm sat here in a very comfortable position now you know whereas three years ago I wasn't so I can sit there and say that but I do think you know there is normally quite a bit of movement within a lot of jobs and you know, yeah, you might have to look elsewhere to get what you want, but don't be afraid to do it mm. because life balance is so. And like, you don't get to the end of your life and think, oh, I earned sixty grand from a job. You get to and you look at what you've done with your life mm. and whether you enjoyed yeah. it or whether what the relationships that you had and what hobbies you had. Yeah. You know, and that's what you've got to try and focus on. Mm. A job is a, a means to get the life that you want for yourself. Mm. But um, yeah, I think sometimes it's too important. The, one of the other things I was just going to say was. One of the things I do about locking stress, that gap between work and home, however long that is, is actually quite, like, make it valuable. Mm. So, like, for me, that drive home, I often end up putting something on. Like, if I need cheering up, I'll put something on that needs, like, Peter Quench's podcast, although listen to us first. <laughs> um, you know, or I put on music that is quite cheery, or if I'm feeling a bit down or stressed, I'll put on music that's a bit sad. Like I access how I feel mm. because normally then by the time I get home mm. it's kind of eased it hasn't fixed but it's kind of eased so like make sure that that gap of getting home is used properly yeah. to access how you feel 
Um, that's... There is a lot going on. Um, like I said, my work's been great in terms of helping with people working from home and mental health awareness and things like that. And actually one of the things they recommend is even if you're working at home, still walk around walk around the block to come back home and then start work if you're walking to work. Yeah. And then when your shift finishes, walk back the other way so you are having that switch on and switch off again so that there's a separation there between the two. The other bit is about knowing your signs as well. Like, so mine is, like, my stomach starts to get quite, mm. you know, bad and... Um, I get quite restless, but also my skin gets bad, so I start coming out in like spots and stuff. So it's a, it is about knowing your signs and catching it early. Don't wait until it's too bad. Um, and hopefully you've got you know people at at work that you can talk to mm. if things are getting a bit mental. Um, so that I've really learned the past few months too with work and speaking to you guys is, don't let it get to the point like, counselling or therapy or mental health care isn't about when you're at the lowest of the low mm. you need that help it's those tools that can help you when you think you just might need it or what tools have you got that help you get through every day mm. not waiting to the point where you're like i cannot cope anymore what what can i do yeah i obviously touched on that in the last one on the mental health thing about dipping into therapy yeah you know as a society you, we need to get better at nipping things in the bud mm. you know and i mean that even with work work stresses you know don't be afraid to go to your manager and just say I don't even if you don't quite know what's going on just say I don't quite feel right at the moment you yeah. know and hopefully they'll be supportive because you might say I don't need anything right now but just having that somebody that knows you're not in the best place oh, and might then at lunchtime just kind of go you're right yes. <laughs> you know and you're back to that thing again ask somebody asking you if you're okay you know Checking that in. just having that might be enough for things to come down. we need to get better if you don't take anything away start looking at how we can nip things in the bud yeah and can i just say if your work is not supportive with you from a mental health perspective or self-care or anything like that then please try to look for another job because mm. that is fundamental in when you are feeling like you are stressed or you need a little bit of time or a little bit of extra care it can go miles it really can go miles is that you? No, that wasn't me. Uh, that you? I'm talking very seriously then, and someone's tummy is rumbling. No, it was not mine. I thought it was you. It wasn't me. Oh. I thought it was you. No, it it's wasn't. Oh. Celine Dion. <laughs> Why Celine Dion? Where's she come from? <laughs> I just think she's, she's not Dion even dead. automatically in this house. Staring for Cora. Oh, because of my piano. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone comes to Lee's house, he has a piano, and if you're like, oh, I'll play you a tune, it's <laughs> 10 times out of 10, Celine Dion, and I'm sick to death of hearing Celine Dion. I do play it very well, though. Yeah. You do, but it's, to be um, fair. it's pretty much the only tune I know. Anyway, I feel like we've talked about work stress. Yes. But yeah, Some just to say, any, if you're not feeling supported at work, yes. then I'm not going to say quit your job tomorrow, but please consider looking elsewhere or where mm. people are better. But again, it's even that, you know, just start, like people think, oh, because I'm looking for a new job, it means I have to get a new job. No, but you could even just log on to a job site and yeah. just see what else is out there. Definitely. Like just rather than sitting in it and not doing anything, like just start look, working out what your options are. Um, because yeah, when we get caught up in that stress storm, mm. it just is horrendous and it, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, but, yeah, we'll leave Gosh, you with we've that. we've rabbited on for a long time. It's a good episode, I think. Did you say so myself? Well, oh, we'll... Marley says it about <laughs> every episode. Do you agree? <laughs> um, right, anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Enjoy the new uh, rules from tomorrow. Keep peeps in touch. out, A-Town down. See you later, peeps. Oh, no. <laughs>
Hi, it's uh, Smiley James here. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, one quick favour, please can you hit follow to help us gain more recognition. Um, this allows you to know when the next episode is up and for us to be famous. <laughs>